Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We are very, very glad that you have tuned in today. Why? I mean, tuned in. This is not the radio. I don't know where you are. I don't know what time it is. I don't know if you're running. I don't know if you're crying. I don't know if you're doing dishes. I don't know if you're ignoring the dishes. I don't know what you're doing, but we're glad you're here with us because there's room for you at the Why Though table. There's yes, there room is. for you on the couch. This, 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 there's room for you at the table. I want to use a different analogy that still says there's room. There's room for you on the beanbag, okay? Because there's room for you over Zoom since we're in quarantine. <laughs> Oh man, Zoom, <laughs> Zoom. Sick of Can it. I just say we should have a, we should all have just a break, just a break, mm-hmm. just a break from Zoom. Like, hey mm-hmm. everybody, you get to tap out for two weeks, mm-hmm. and then you just to, just to refill the tank. Mm-hmm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I have made a big discovery in the last week, <laughs> and I feel like you all need to know. And you know, here's the thing. Similar to the raisinette raisinette gate of three weeks ago, <laughs> you will discover that I am I'm learning. I'm a lifelong learner. And guess what I learned this week, y'all? I learned that people, that's mm-hmm. right, human beings yes. with mortgage payments and stretch marks yes. kiss their dogs on the lips. Yes, they do. All I the am time. not a dog owner. I am not a cat owner and or pet owner of any kind. <laughs> so you can imagine my shock and awe when I saw a friend of mine kiss his doggy. On a lippies. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, mm-hmm. this can't be a thing. But mm-hmm. much to my dismay, it is. And I just want to say, this isn't a judgment on you if you kiss your dog on the lips. If mm-hmm. that's how you spend your time. Mm-hmm. I just I just want you to know I just learned. I just learned. Mm-hmm. And Tiffany might not only even... just learned, but she was like, is this, like, people do this? I couldn't believe this happened. And I was like, yes, yes, absolutely. Every dog owner I know. Does exactly what you Every just dog owner you know. <laughs> what? That's a bold statement. And I true. Can't back that out. True okay. Okay. Listen, I have lived in LA for so long where you bring your dog and the restaurant brings a bowl out of water for your nope, dog. Nope, it doesn't. And then I've lived no, in New stop. York where everybody has a dog. You can have a Great Dane in 300 square feet in New York. So, yes, people lick their dogs on the lips, girl, or let their dog lick them and they just receive. <laughs> And then he had a he had a graham cracker in his mouth, mm. like hanging out. And then the oh. dog came up and oh, it off of his, I know is that, that too that takes a, I to mean, me that takes it a little far. But you know we're not pet owners either, so we need we need the people to tell us. Would you serve your dog a graham cracker out of your own mouth? We need to. Know I mean, people. we need to do a poll on Instagram. Would <laughs> we, we do. <laughs> you see that that's going to be part of our our Instagram <laughs> announcement it. for this this podcast mm-hmm. episode of just mm-hmm. are you the person who feeds your that's that's the thing, isn't it? You know, let's camp on this for a minute. People have big dogs in small spaces. Correct. That's a thing. Yes, they do. It's a thing. And no yards, you know? And I'm from the south where you have like a lot of land and so your dog plays outside all the time. Like it's so rare for the dog to be inside, maybe at nighttime or if it's cold. But yeah, that just would never happen. I mean Did you have a dog growing up? Yeah, we did. We had um, Labradors and we had Golden Retrievers. So yeah, I had dogs and cats growing up. My mom is a big animal lover. She's only had cats in the last like 20 years maybe, but all growing up, we usually had 
a dog and I loved them when they were puppies. And then when they got bigger, I was like, this thing is huge. Cause if they jumped, then they're, I, I was six, two, I mean, six, one by 15. So when that golden retriever would put his little paws on my shoulders, I'm like, this dog is too big. This is, this is yeah, a too big that's dog. A, that's a big and dog. I don't know what to do right now. This is bigdogs.com. <laughs> BigDogs.com. Big I love that. <laughs> oh, we had a bull mastiff, and it's a very, very, very beautiful dog, cross between a bulldog and a mastiff, and it mm. was just so beautiful. And I did get emotionally attached. I will admit that. Oh. And he he went to be with the doggy heaven lord um, oh. when I was seventeen. But that was our that was it. That was one, and it was my grandfather's dog. And then he was moving, and he's like, "Oh, do you guys want the bull mastiff?" And we're like, "Uh, yeah." Oh, that was it. And then a few cats, but we've talked about the cats in the they don't need any airtime. What I'm also like to say, I think I've shared this in the past, my youngest child's obsession with pugs. Have I shared this? If not, here it is. No. Obsessed with pugs. And since we won't buy him a pug, he decided he will be a pug. We may have ordered a doghouse for him, for him to play in. <gasps> oh i love it so much it's meant for children by the way it's Honestly. a children's dog house like it's a pop-up tent you know how like yes those little fabric pop-ups this is good parenting frankly i was just like Evie, i'm not gonna buy you a dog and he's like well at least can i have a dog house I'm like yes of course you can <laughs> for your birthday in three months yes you can good work birthday. mom good work i mean there you go dog i did i did have this idea though this is i can't believe i'm admitting this I was like, I wonder if there's like a pug breeder that he could go visit for like an hour for his birthday. <laughs> so we could see him. He's never Aww. seen one in person and he's obsessed. He's obsessed with, I bought him some pug stickers from Target. Wow. Was, they had little sunglasses on. That's he was cute. so into it. He carries around the piece of paper that he put the stickers on all the time. I mean. They have a little pug show on Disney. I'm going to have to send it to you. We literally puppy only dog watch pals. it. Do you know what puppy it is? Oh, okay. Yeah, we only pals. watch it when we're in hotels because it's the only thing that's acceptable for the kids to watch. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we discovered it too as on our two-week road trip across the country. And then recently they were watching it in a hotel. So I, there you go. I think there's some other options where you also did you know there are puppy parties? Oh, it's a thing. Can... Doug the pup. Yeah, he has like fourteen million. No, yeah, I have. I have. I absolutely have. A friend of mine wanted puppies for her party, but didn't want to own any, so she just had a birthday puppy party, and somebody brought in like ten of them. We all got to pet and play with puppies. <laughs> Was this? Hold on, I'm all here. I, I promise. Hold on. Were you a child or were you an adult when you attended? This? Are you kidding? I was over thirty when this happened. Yes, this is a grown person. I have no further comments. I rest, I rest my case. I have no further comments. I am ready to go on to the next talking point because there's nothing else I can add or take away from this. Well, then tell the people what we're doing today. <clears throat> Good people. For those of you who are keeping track, it is minute six and 35 seconds that we have talked about doggies. And now we want to talk about what my mean mentors taught me, though. Mean mentors. Now, I heard on a different podcast talking about mean mentors, and I straight took the idea because I was like, this is too good. This is too good. It is. Thanks, Chase Serrano. So here we are, <laughs> talking about mean mentors. Ashley, tell me. Tell me about the mean mentors in your life and what you learned. I will. Well, I'm going to start out with the light one, which I think is super fun. So I, when in high school, I was a cheerleader, which is hard to imagine as giant as I am, but I also played soccer and I swam. So I was the backstroker on our swim team. But the first year that I decided to join the swim team, and I had like a, an unusual like knack for it, like was really good. And um, 
anyways, I went to like my first week of practices and I was on day three and literally you guys, I was swimming so hard and then had to throw up. Like that's how hardcore our our teacher was. And he was trying to get a few of us to go to state. So we were all like hardcore competing and just like trying to do our best. And I threw up, but I don't, I don't like doing that. I don't like working that hard. Like, it's just not my vibe. Like if we're going to, I'm that person in every fitness class who will modify. Cause I'm like, no, I'm not working that hard. I'm not going to destroy my back because you're a crazy teacher and I'll modify everything. (laughs) So similar with swim class so I got out of the pool went to throw up but instead of getting back in the pool I was like bye and I left (laughs) so that night he called my house and was my mom answered and put me on the phone and he's like hey you better get your butt he didn't say butt you better get your butt back to practice tomorrow and I was like I'm not coming I don't want to throw up I'm not doing this this is crazy you're crazy and he's like you better be at practice tomorrow and he just hangs up the phone and I guess because his authority authoritative like presence over the phone I sure did show up the next day you guys I went back but what he taught me you know as a mean mentor because he really was kind of mean um he was fun sometimes um like because I couldn't here's a fun example I can't do the breaststroke it is the hardest stroke it is so hard, you guys. No, I'm sorry, the butterfly. I can't do it. I look like a flopping fish. I mean, it's so bad. So every now and then he would get me and my best friend in the pool and he's like, go ahead, butterfly, because he knew it would make the whole team crack up. So he's this <gasps> kind of guy. <laughs> oh, humiliation. Okay. Oh, yeah, totally. Okay. And uh, But what I learned from him, you know, he had, he didn't let me quit. And I was a pretty tenacious person then, but I also realized that sometimes when you want to excel or when you want to be excellent at something or when you actually want to compete for real, it's going to be hard and it's going to cost you something. And I had never pushed my body that way before. I had not you know, grown up being a swimmer. I'd never competed in meets. Like I didn't know any of that stuff until I went to that first week of practices. And so he really taught me how to work hard and how to show up again and how just, yeah, you threw up and it's going to be okay. (laughs) And it really was. That never happened again. Everything was fine. My body started adjusting and I started really excelling at the sport. And so I really love that story because even though it was hard and even though it was kind of annoying, he really forced me to press in in a way I really didn't want to. And I was able to keep challenging my body. And even stuff like childbirth has really helped me. My athletic background, even in something like childbirth, has really been helpful because I know how to bear down. I know how to be resilient. I know how to push through. And I think that those things were lessons that I really needed. And um, yeah, I tend to finish what I start now. And that's really great. So I think he had a, he was a real catalyst in that. <laughs> wow. What about you from your youth? I, oh. Interesting thing that you brought childbirth into this. Um, right? I, I, I think that there That's is a connection. Work. No, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm for real. I think like when you train yourself and you welcome in endurance in, in your yes. physical body, yes. like to prepare for that, I am so low pain tolerant person <laughs> that labor, I was like, nope, the nope, oh, this nope, sorry. you know, like, yes. it's just like, oh gosh, should have gone to one of those classes. Anyway. For sure, for sure, a class is helpful. (laughs) That'd have been nice. Um, Mean mentors. I was the first thing that comes to my mind is my middle school math teacher. So, just uh, listeners, uh, K through six, I went to an independent learning school. So, you there was no teacher at the front of the class or anything like that. You got your work for the week in front of you, and then you worked independently next to other people, like in your grade. Yeah, so it was a two-room schoolhouse, K through three in one room, four through six in the other. And there was one teacher for each room, so two two teachers total. And this is a public school, grew up in a very, mm-hmm. very, very small town, clearly by the size of the school. I think yeah. there was, uh, you know, I think there's probably, you know, 40 kids total, K through K through six. Wow. And 
Mm-hmm. Did you not know this? No, I did not okay. realize it was that small. That's tiny. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think there was, yeah, five, like five or around five kids in each grade, give wow. or take. Um, and so I had never like had instruction from the front of how to do something. You'd have to read the intro page on that math section and just like read it, figure it out yourself. Nobody was explaining it to you. And then do it yourself, turn in the, turn in the work. And if you, if you got done early in the day, you'd have the rest of the day to play and build and draw whatever you wanted to do, go outside and play. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I got to middle school and math got hard and they put letters instead of numbers, I was just like, oh no. And I remember this math teacher, he was, I'm just like, this is, is this legal? I mean, how can you be here? Does you have an anger problem? I'm just like, do you hate us? Like, do you hate us? Again, it's my first time having instruction from the front. It's my first time being like in a group learning together, like, you know, and you're only going as fast as the middle of the pack or, you know, trying to catch up if you're not, not picking it up. Math has never been my thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember I would ask like, Hey, just so for clarification, like I'm all, you know me, I'm like, no, let's yeah. clarify. What's the expectation here? How does this work? Make sure we're all on the same page. <laughs> and I would ask for clarification and he would be like, you don't get it. And I would just, be like, <laughs> I know. Trash. I know. So what did I learn from this? Don't ask for help. No, I'm joking. Um, I, I, <laughs> That's the initial lesson that did not stick. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I was just like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let you just move on until I have this. And so I would go in at lunch. I would go in at our breaks, and I'd be like, you got to explain this to me. Pushed in, pushed in, and then he became the track coach. And I thought I was gonna be a track star until day two, and I realized, nope, I'm not a runner. So then I became the track manager, and he was the track Amazing. coach. And just the way he would build camaraderie and the way he cared, you know, corporately, he was definitely a little gruff, but individually, the way he cared for us and the way he made us all feel part of the whole, it was Mm. just like, no, there's something more here. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be put off by your gruff exterior. Yeah. I'm going to get what I came for, which is an education, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to be, I'm going to be part of this whole, I'm going to be part of this team. So. Um, that's the first. Also, he spit when he talked. I know that's oh. it was just like, come on, it's dog. too much. It's but I love much. that lesson. I feel like, you know, that's something I. It's one thing I love about public school. Also, is that you have your kids are really forced, and we were forced to be underneath teachers who are not that awesome. But that's actually real life. You know, like that's actually yeah. real life. You're going to have a boss who doesn't speak to you as nicely as you'd like. You're going to have someone who's going to be harder on you than you hope. You're going to have someone who's going to favor other people in the class over you. Like we've all yeah. had these experiences. Yeah. And it's part of why I love public school because I'm like, man, it's really going to prepare you for the real world. And similar, I had a teacher. Um, I want to tell you about two two main teachers I had that I ended up really, really loving. But the first one is my English teacher in high school. And her name was Mrs. Simmons. I'm going to tell you guys because I really loved her. Everybody else shall be nameless. Um, but she was hardcore. I got my first C in high school in her class. And even though I begged her for extra credit or anything I could do to raise it to an A, she was like 100% no. And she would always say to me, this is somebody else's great work, but this is not your great work. And, oh, and she would really wow. challenge me. And once I had to do an essay for creative writing on, you know, someone historical from the past that I really admired, and I chose Joan of Arc. And turns out it was her favorite 
you know, hero of the past. And she had researched and done all this work. And she knew everything there was to know about Joan of Arc. Well, how was I supposed to know that when I turned the paper in? And sure enough, she gave me a C minus. And she's like, this is garbage. You picked my hero. You did not research. You did not do it well. Like, go back and, and try again. And so from her, I really learned, because I had coasted, like my my 80% was somebody else's 100%. And so I had really coasted in a lot of my classes and a lot of my academia. But with her, she sort of saw through that. And she made me rise to the occasion. And she is the reason why I'm able to write the way I am today and why I love the craft so much. Like, I think she really prepared me for this world that we live in, where, you know, these quick little sound bites and these little Instagram micro blogs and all those things, for mm. me as a writer, you know, Tiffany and I have talked about this just this week, like how mm-hmm. that can feel very discouraging. But for her, she taught me to write for the love of it. And even if nobody reads it, it should still be good because that's my skill set. And so I love that. And then I had a music teacher and I had him for years. And his name was Mr. Duane, Dr. Dwayne Best. And he was so wonderful. And he had this saying, which was discipline is the training that makes punishment unnecessary. And he would write it on the board, <laughs> you know, like, so we would see it in the classroom. And And he was hardcore about how you behaved in the classroom. He was hardcore about whether or not you talked. And, you know, as soon as he would lift his conductor stick up, boy, we knew to just engage. Like, I've never seen anybody command a classroom that way. And so even though he was really hard on us, he taught me so much about how to listen and how to be um, caring about others and how to be considerate in a communal setting because he's so highly valued that. And I love that saying, discipline is the training that makes punishment unnecessary. It's like, mm. I still think about that because there's times in my life where I don't want to discipline myself to do things or where I don't want to, you know, whether it's how I care for myself or it's the craft that I'm working on or it's in my parenting or in my marriage. I know that those little disciplines are the thing that make punishment or in my case now as a grown person, consequences unnecessary. <laughs> and so I think that for me, that has always stuck. And I've appreciated that they were so hard on us. And I appreciated that they, it felt like at times they were way harder on me personally. I'm like, nobody else is getting in trouble for this crap. Like, why aren't you yelling at other people? Mm-hmm. And that really blessed me now to know that they cared enough to really do that, um, to bring out my best, that they didn't just let me settle, you know, for, for what might be somebody else's best. Like they both really pushed me to be my best. And so I, I take that away from those mean mentors. <laughs> mm. That English teacher story, that really blessed me. Yeah. Somebody else is 100%, but that's your 80%. Yes. Like no, not giving you the excuse to just coast, but really Mm-mm. like push into your best work. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. All right, let's transition to adult life of mean mentors. Mm-hmm. Now, yep. I... Both Ashley and I have worked in a variety of settings, uh, Mm -hmm. nonprofit, the faith space, for-profit, business, Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. So I, the thing that comes to mind right now is how mean mentors can really mess with your mind. Yes, Really (laughs) just the way you see the world, the way you see yourself is altered by their reality. Right. and, And in the real world, you're like, wait a second. But it takes you a minute to shake that off. Yeah. And honestly, like the meanest of mentors are narcissists. Like I think, So true. I agree know? with that. But I think when I found myself with a mean mentor um, as an adult, their damaging words, mm. their humiliation of me in front of others, mm. I feel like, obviously it was painful and horrible and I wish it on no one I really wish this on no one but what did I get from it what did I come out the other side feeling honestly invincible by people's thoughts about me Mm. like this person 
can rip me apart and in, in in front of 30 people mm-hmm. who you know I see on a regular basis right and when you know little people might say something and I think especially now Ashley and I very much live our life online as part of our careers yeah um it it doesn't it really doesn't get under my skin it really right you know like especially from strangers or bots or trolls like I'm like the things I've experienced from honestly living in this world where unless you believed like this person unless you thought unless you acted unless you ascribed to every single uh, way of thinking ideology yeah um whim even you were wrong mm-hmm. you were wrong and you were detestable <laughs> mm-hmm. um and i think it like that mentorship which was obviously again painful yeah. You really realize like no, I'm my own person. I will yeah. not be defined by you or how you yeah. think. I will not be defined by what you believe is right. I have convictions and understanding and perspective that is valuable. Mm-hmm. And so it re- and and I am I for me, I'm a 3 on the Enneagram. I I value being agreeable. Like even this morning I was at Target y'all and this person was just sitting at a red light and I was like I'm going to give them like way longer than I should to go. Uh, excuse me, a, a, a green. And I'm just going to give them longer than I should versus just laying on the horn. And eventually I did lay on the horn. And I was like, but I don't want to be that girl, right? I don't want to mm. be disagreeable. Like I will sacrifice far too much before I am willing to buck the system. Mm. And I think being in a scenario with a mean mentor where you're like, wait a second, this is eating away at my, not only my self-worth, but my my sense of self, my my understanding of who I am and my role and job in the world. Yeah. My my role in this world is not to be told what to do by this person or be told how to live my life. Yeah. And I think that um I think especially in our twenties and thirties, it's easy to just feel like to get ahead, I just gotta I just gotta sit and take it, right? I just gotta serve my yeah, time. Totally. And I think that's yep. just bull crap. I think that's bull yeah. crap. I really do. Like who we are and who we're becoming matters at every season, at every decade, in every year, in every month, in every day. And letting someone else determine who you are and speak the narrative and and humiliate you or degrade you or or make you feel crazy because you don't live by their set of rules, mm. um, it'll mess with you. But when you can really come to your senses of your convictions and of how you want to live your life you find that no matter what they say you're gonna be okay like who you are is enough and the Mm -hmm. way you want to live your life is just fine yes i really love that because i do same for me with a couple of mean mentors that i've had in my adulthood like in my 20s and early 30s like for me what you sound like you're describing or something that i'm really relating to it's resonating with me as you talk is just this process of separation that you go through Mm, after you've had a difficult experience with a mentor because it does feel like your world's a mesh a little because um or a lot in some cases because it does feel like you kind of have to you know become that person or like be surrender to that person's way of living a way of being in a way that allows you to even be in their life. Um, and that's yes, such a toxic yes. relationship, but the separation is the best part because you start to unravel and unlearn things that you didn't actually want to learn in the first place. <laughs> and I can remember I had um, a mentor in my twenties, early twenties. And, um, this person, when I worked for them, couldn't spell by name, like my la- my old last name is Dodson. 
D-O-D-S-O-N. And this person would always write my name on checks like it was the car, like (laughs) D-A-T-S-U-N. And they did it for a full year. And sometimes I would say something and other times I would just let it ride. My bank was chill about it. So I decided to be chill about it. Um, But it was one of those things where I was just like, gosh, I'm not even valuable enough in this role for you to learn how to spell my name or for you to learn like what I even care about or, you know, and I felt like I was serving in a real important place in this person's life and offering like pouring myself out much more than what would have been required in any other job and for terrible Mm -hmm. pay and to Mm. feel so forgotten. And so I think the lesson for me during that season, and I remember I was, I was a new believer at the time. And I remember studying the life of David because it felt so similar to me. I just so deeply resonated with David as a young man and not because like, all the glory stuff that we hear, but those hidden years, you know, where I was very humbled by not being known and not being seen, but still having to pour myself out and offer my gifts and offer my talents. And I saw that in the life of David and that was helpful for me. And so I think that one great thing that came out of that is that I don't feel like I need applause and approval (laughs) and like to be known or to be seen to continue to do what I'm supposed to do on the earth. It's like, well, I guess if nobody's watching me, I'm going to do what I was created to do. And that for me was the, was the gold nugget that came out of that time of separation. Um, Because yeah, that was really hard to just feel like, gosh, I'm pouring my life out for you and you can't bother to spell my name properly. Like I'm an employee. What is happening right now? (laughs) So that was definitely one of them. Another lesson from a mean mentor um, is I remember I would always get asked things last minute. And um, I don't necessarily, I'm pretty flex in my life and in my in my way of being. I don't have like very rigid lines when it comes to executing tasks or, um, you know, putting my day on a calendar. Like I'm not, I'm not so rigid. But at the same time, this person was constantly disrespecting my time and I would be ready to go at like six o'clock. And then there would be some kind of request that would come in that would mean I would need to work until like eight o'clock or I'd have to go run an errand or I'd have to take care of something. And I would basically work, you know, all my work days were like eight to eight. Oh and um, I did this for a very long time and it felt so disrespectful because there was no real plan. I remember struggling to get my laundry done, to go to the bank, to pay my bills, like to go to the doctor, to go make dentist appointments. Like I remember just really struggling to actually manage my whole life because I was working such ridiculous hours and, and letting my time be disrespected constantly. And there was also this threat that like, if you won't let us disrespect your time this way, then you will not have a job. So I felt oh, caught between a rock and a hard place because I'm yeah. like, well, I don't want to I don't want to not have a job, so I've got to do this. And I think what that also taught me was to stand up for myself. So I went through a very long process <laughs> of learning how to do that and learning what I was worth and understanding how terribly I was being paid and treated. And I remember my dear friend, Catherine, and she listens to this podcast, so shout out to you, Cat Daddy. But she <laughs> she said to me one time, we were in a parking lot in, a, in her car just talking, and she said, you know, Ashley, why do you give yourself away so cheaply? And Mm. it was like the question that changed everything for me because I was like, you're right. Like, I don't value myself. And some of that was like my education background, what I had grown up. Like, it's all the things that feed into how we feel about ourselves and what we think we're worth and what society says we're worth if we have these certain metrics on paper. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was really hard to make that break. But that, that question was the turning point of like, I don't deserve this and I don't have to stay for this. And I began to, to break out of that role of, of that mean mentorship. (laughs) Mm. I love that. We don't live for their applause. Applause and mm-hmm. we won't die by their 
hate yes. were there yeah. when they tear us down. Like, yep. when you realize that, I think that's one of the biggest thing mean mentors can teach us, right? Yeah. Like, I yeah. don't need your applause to be yes. okay. And that's I don't right. need... Or your and, approval. And yeah, or your approval, mm-hmm. right. And I also, I will not keel over if you make it your life's mission to destroy me because yes. you, you can't destroy my person you can't destroy my soul you cannot right. take away my essence i think yes. that is that is coming out the other side with some purple hearts if you ask me like, absolutely oh those are some hard lessons to they learn are. but um i'm stronger for it and i know you are too like even just sharing that like we i wouldn't be who i am today if Same. that wouldn't have happened i think it's made me more compassionate it's mm-hmm. given me um, eyes to see things from different angles. I mm-hmm. think it, we we win, right? Yeah. Like in the end, we can come out stronger. Yes, and, and we learn who we bitter, don't want right? to be. Yes, not bitter. That's the other thing you do have to work through that process of, mm-hmm. of forgiveness and letting go, and and you learn who you don't want to be. That's the other the yes. best gift mean mentors have given Girl, me. It's what? like I don't yeah. want your life. Like I do not mm-hmm. want your life. I'm not going to take these steps. I thought when we signed up for this that I wanted what you have, and now that I'm up close, I don't. And there are nuggets that I'll pull, but no thank you to this life, and no thank you to treating people this way, and no thank you to feeling like everybody else needs to bow beneath me. Like this is not who I want to be. And so I feel like that's a real a real gift that people give us. Yeah. And I love what you said, Tiffany, because you survive it. You really can survive me mm-hmm. mentorship. <laughs> you can come mm-hmm. out on the other side and be whole. And nobody makes you. God makes you. And that's yeah. the other thing. It's like it doesn't matter how much, how many connections that mentor has. And yes, sometimes it happens where you lose reputation or they destroy you verbally or maybe break off some opportunities that you have. Sure, that happens for real. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. we've both experienced that. But at the same time, like God makes us and he's the one Come who on. lifts us up and he's the one who shapes us and he's the one who puts us out there and provides all opportunity for us. Like one person in a planet of a billion people cannot ruin your whole life. It might feel like it for a season and for some yeah. It's very, very serious, um, but but you can overcome that, and you can yeah. be the person you want to be on the other side of it. I remember as I was transitioning away from this mean mentor that I've vaguely talked about, um, someone said to me, God is your promoter. Mm, God is your promoter. And I love right. that. In that moment, it does. Yep. It feels like your universe, right? Yes, it feels it like everything. And, and you don't want to be seen as somebody disloyal you don't want to be seen as somebody who's not a team player somebody who's not for the good yeah and then you walk away you're like wait a second this world is big and beautiful there is so much to it there's so much opportunity that's right friends if you are in a place where you just this is maybe triggering this topic for you because it really (laughs) made you think of some mean mentors in maybe the past 20 30 years (laughs) but know that who you are is enough yeah. and who you are is worthy and who you are is beautiful and whole. So yeah. we love you. We're rooting for you and we will see you next week. Bye. Hey listeners, remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit tiffanybloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit ashabercrombie.org. See you next week.